This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSam, the podcast channel of Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. The mountain resort industry has been gathering virtually to share what we're learning and how we're overcoming obstacles during this challenging time. On this episode, we partnered with Nick Heron, CEO of PSIA and AASI, to explore what ski and ride schools might look like under various COVID-19 restrictions. On June 22nd, we talked with leaders of ski and ride schools from around the U.S. and Australia to gauge their thinking on the upcoming season and talk through topics such as capacity, group lessons, protocols, staff training, and what we can learn from the summer operations that have recently kicked off. We'll start the discussion here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. Great. Well, thanks so much to everybody for joining us today on our Monday Huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of Sam Magazine, and joining me um, as co-host today is Nick Heron, who's the CEO of PSIA and Ozzy. And today we're going to talk about what ski and ride schools will look like next winter. Um, it's a topic that uh, folks have asked us to cover for a uh, a few weeks now and we're excited to finally get to cover this topic and really excited to co-host it with uh, Nick and all of his expertise. Now I'm gonna toss it over to NSA President Kelly Pollock. Um, she is here um, and has been um, with us in previous huddles as well uh, to give us updates on all the good work that NSA is doing for our industry. So can you give us a little update on um, initiatives that you're working on uh, this week? Absolutely, thanks Olivia. Hi everyone. Um, one of the big questions that I've been receiving in the past week is about diversity, equity, and inclusivity. And I just wanted to share with you um, that if you're trying to figure out um, what to do with your own team um, on this topic, uh, we do have some resources on the NSA website. It's open to anybody, whether you're a member or not, um, on nsa.org. Um, we like to think that one of the things that we do well is education. So we are really focused on um, putting together a short and long-term plan to help um, with education. So if you have any ideas, uh, I would encourage you to share them with us. And then the other um, bit of news to share with all of you, in partnership with our, our buddies at Mountain Garda, we've decided to move our fall education series, that's our risk management um, education series that goes around the country. We're going to move that to a virtual plat platform just for this year um, because we felt it was too uncertain to know, uh, and a lot of people fly all over the place. So um, details will be coming out soon, but it's going to happen in late October, early November. Um, and although we're really going to miss that interaction that we have with all of you um, from being on site, it's going to be a really unique opportunity for you to get more of your staff um, to attend and improve their risk um, management knowledge and their risk skills. That's it. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks everyone for joining. I'm, I'm sure uh, everyone is in this new normal, much like me. It, it used to be we have an annual calendar each month. We know what we're doing for the season and prepping for summer and winter. But now it seems as every Monday we come in and we're going, okay, what do we have to tackle now? And how are we going to deal with this? And it's, it's really challenging everyone. But I'm looking forward uh, to this discussion because we have some great panelists and I know we have a lot of great people on the call. So I'm sure we'll have some great questions to really dive into operations and understand how a ski and ride school may need to work in this new normal, uh, specifically regionally, something that I ask that you always take into consideration. We tried to get a diverse uh, group of people from across the country just because based on region, based on what's going on 
in the state, based on what's going on in, in your county, you definitely need to follow those guidelines. And, and uh, we, we want to make sure that we adhere to those, but also meet the needs of, of ski and ride schools and the guest experience and how can we live, in, live within those expectations and still deliver an exceptional product. Um, you know, some of you may be aware of the Learning Connection model. Our biggest focus is, is, is people, how we teach them, and the technical skills we need to give them. But how do we connect on those three things, and how do we give to our employees, our instructors, the balance of making sure that they have the social connection and comfort to work with people, the technical skills to teach, but also the connectivity of how do you connect with someone that now you have face masks on, you may not have that personal connection or identity, and, and that's where we're successful. That's why people love to go out with lessons. Um, you know, in this era, we, it's challenging all of us to, to operate differently, right? We've all gotten really good at Zoom calls, and something we always talk about is now we really have to look at how do you connect with people behind buffs or face masks. Maybe we need to be looking at how you really lay out the learning area and, and really challenging your flow of your learning area. Or maybe this is a time based on the region you're in that you're really going to have to tackle best tips to your instructors on how to teach a family from, you know, five-year-olds all the way up to 50-year-olds and all in the same lesson. So those are all the things that are coming to the front of mind. How do we tackle those social and emotional questions for our guests as well as our member, our instructors? So I'm looking forward to this conversation. We, we've got a great group of people and we'll probably just dive right into it. Olivia, I think we'll, we'll, I'll have you kick it off and go from there. Great, thanks Nick. Um, so we're gonna start by heading uh, to our Southern Hemisphere um, and check in with our colleagues um, over at Hotham in Australia. So we have Nigel Mills, who's the Ski and Ride School Director at Hotham. Um, Nigel, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Olivia. Um, so, you know, obviously you guys are, are open uh, for winter and you have, you know, you're already at the cusp of where we have a few months to kind of figure things out. Um, but take us through what you, how you've opened uh, your ski and ride program for the, from the guest perspective and the new staff protocols. So just kind of take us through where you guys are at, knowing that obviously you're probably evolving this week to week, but where yeah. are you at? Thank you. Unfortunately, we haven't opened due to lack of snow. As I was saying to Nick, through all of this, with all the worry of the virus and our new processes, we haven't got any snow. So that's delayed us for a little while. We were planning on opening on Wednesday and that's delayed at least till the weekend. But look, that realistically is giving us a chance to onboard our staff, which has taken on a more... Um, remote process you know none of our meetings are taking place where you we're sending out documents and videos and things like that uh, lots of staff are entering their accommodation really just through keypads and open doors and not really commute not really uh, coming into the office to say hello so all our uniforms are being delivered to a place we call the big d which is our children's center which unfortunately is going to be underutilized this year so a lot of our processes have changed already just with the onboarding of staff. So that's the first challenge we've had. In fact, the biggest piece of our puzzle at the moment has been accommodation. Uh, unlike our Northern Hemisphere people where everyone gets five-star accommodation, <laughs> especially in Vale, uh, we're used to having three or four people in a room and community kitchens and more of a hostel lodge type atmosphere. 
So that's had to change with people who are traveling together rooming or couples rooming and generally uh, <clears throat> one person to a room is gonna be the norm. So our accommodation has been limited and as such, as so as I have our staff members. So as you would imagine, we lost all of our international staff of which Mount Hotham had about 20 on a visa that we supply as well as probably 20 to 25 others who could not get into the country due to the strict restrictions in Australia. So uh, staffing at this stage has reduced by about 50%. So, and that, that we expect will be consistent with the reductions in our, in our uh, expected visitation. So the first things that changed for us were all the school groups and Mount Hotham, as Eric knows, relies a lot on these schools coming up with hundreds of kids and taking advantage of the beautiful conditions we have here at Hotham generally, but they all fell off and without giving out secrets, that, gives it, that took a lot of our business away. Uh, so that was the first thing. And then with the accommodation, a lot of our lodge accommodation is being reduced probably by up to 50% as well. So our expected visitation was probably consistent with the reduction in staff members. We have, however, lost a lot of skill sets because of our, our international staff were coaches and freestyle coaches and just wonderful instructors from around the world. So. It was a pity to lose them, but we are still trying to run a lot of our race programs and freestyle programs and Hotham's in a good position ourselves that we do have lots of level four instructors. Um, as Eric knows, we've got the technical director of the APSI here, Richard Jamison on skis, and we also have Kylie Dwyer on snowboard. So we have a lot of local talent that we can use to fill up those gaps because the APSI at this stage will not be running any courses or exams at the moment until we decide what's going to happen with our business. So yes, lots of challenges, Olivia, and we're still not, you know, we haven't started yet. So our plan was to open softly with private lessons only because the social distancing there would be easier and just get into the swing of things. And then we were planning on opening group lessons for older kids, six to 14, and for adults on the Monday, the 29th. Uh, again, just because the social distancing is easier. Um, also with our five, three to five-year-old, because of our lift riding policies, we couldn't do that safely with the social distancing rules. Uh, so we've decided not to run three to five-year-old lessons, not even with private lessons. That was that decision to do had more to do with the lift? Yes, it did. A lot of our lift riding policies, as you'd imagine, with the younger kids involve, you know, an instructor on every chair and uh, we can't then put kids with other adults and with the little kids it just wasn't feasible to do it safely because on the chair we have to separate. Mm. You have to have one person on one side of the chair and the child on the other and we just didn't think that was feasible to do that safely. Uh, at Hotham we're in a unique position where we have different lift riding policies on different lifts. So we've decided that we will run, as I said, no three to five-year-olds, which were our mighty mites. Uh, and with the six to 14-year-olds, we're only running low-end lessons that involve more flat terrain, magic carpets, as well as 
the big D lift, which because of its position, we have different lift riding policies there where some of the younger kids, as long as they reach height requirements, can ride on their own. So it's really cut into our products. Uh, so that would be the main thing of changing things. And unfortunately in Australia, we just had a setback. We were traveling really well. And as they opened things up, we had another surge in the virus. So everybody was ready for a reduction in the restrictions and they put a hold on that as of last weekend. So we had a football player test positive and then we had a few outbreaks. So even in this country, there, is, there are restrictions from travel within state to state. Some states will not let other states visit. So Victoria and New South Wales, where all the skiing is, currently we can visit each other. But even now with this outbreak, they're, they're determining that they don't really want us Victorians to come and visit them. So <laughs> things are changing all the time. If you leave Queensland, for instance, to come to Victoria to ski, you have to quarantine for two weeks when you get home. Wow. So, wow. yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's happening in America state to state, but it's very, very strict over here. I, I returned from the US on the 30th of May because I work in Vail and I had to spend two weeks in a government paid hotel and they tested me twice and let me out. And then it was a two solid full weeks of sitting in a hotel room, trying to stay fit and do work. And it was pretty tough, I've got to say. And every person coming back to Australia has to do that. So we've got, we're, you know, we're very strict on all the rules. But even so, we've, as you loosen things up, as you've seen in the US, it, it comes back. Oh, yeah. No, we have no idea what that's about. <laughs> have you yeah, unfortunately, I know you do. So, <laughs> now, yes. have you put any restrictions on uh, group lessons for the kids ages seven and up that you're doing? Have you done anything with that? Uh, just, just a reduction in the numbers, Nick. A, a maximum of six, and we have Richard Jamison and Kylie working on some new uh, social distancing. I guess, class handling techniques that we're going to disseminate to our staff as we get on board. But, uh, you know, you know, with snowboarding is very, very hands-on. So right. we have to develop the use of hoops and, you know, maybe just people have to do it without being handheld as much. And the class handling with skiers, as far as, you know, instead of having them in a line, like right next to each other, maybe more spatial awareness. And as Eric will tell you, Hotham is very... Ch terrain challenged I guess for beginners so you know just keeping one group away from the other right is, is really challenging for us so yeah we'll go through all that stuff but things you don't even think of like locker rooms and where people are going to have lunch you know apart from the lift riding things and then you know out of our locker room of 200 odd lockers I think between us and the lift staff we're allowed to use 87 of them just because of the ruling on the 1.5 meters and then it's a four square meter distance, you know, you know, as far as how big the room is as well. So challenges you wouldn't even think of. What, what about, it's a question from the chat area. What about, um, and this came up with mountain bike parks and, and other topics we've covered, food. One of those things. So for a full day program, how are you going to handle? Well, that's, yeah, there's another change. We will not be running full day programs. So our kids are going to, uh, it used to be a three day morning and a two hour afternoon. So we've reduced the timing on that from 
three hours to two and a half to try and reduce bathroom breaks and food that is required, although we will supply some snacks and rotate the kids through. But yeah, it's put it, we can't run full day programs. Our daycare is closed for the season at the moment. And that's the same problem with the little kids, Olivia, having there's so much indoor time that we just felt we couldn't do it properly. So yeah, our product range has changed. We're not running all day programs, which then made it made us have to change our adults programs because they were all timed so the adults could drop kids off and pick them up. So yeah, big changes in all about, that stuff. What about demand? Um, you know, we heard the news of, of the pent up demand crashing. I think it was pressure. Uh, Parisher. Yeah, right. yes. So did you, for these lesson programs, are you having pre-booking and are you having yes. interest and are you having any problem with the limited products you have? Yes, there are a few teething problems. We, we, we had not done the online booking at Hotham before because we, we weren't part of Vale until last year and they only just changed our processes. So they oversold our private lessons by, well, 35 people, which, you know, I said they could do through school holidays. I gave them 10 that they could sell and they oversold us by 35, which doesn't sound like a lot in the big American resorts, but now I have a staff of 60 people. <laughs> it does it does present challenges. So we're working through all of that and having to put caps on, on our uh, on our programs as well, just, so, just because we don't have the numbers. Okay. So Perisher, I think they're still working through all of the demand that was pent up and, and Hotham was the same. So people have just dived in with, into the private lesson realm. It's interesting that you had the demand if there's so much restriction between the states and so you're really working on a much smaller base, but you still had the demand locally, you know. Yeah. So um, that's perhaps a, a good yeah. problem to figure out. I think one of the problems we're facing, though, is that just because you buy a lesson doesn't guarantee you get a lift ticket for that day. Mm -hmm. So because they didn't want to disadvantage people who, are, you know, maybe don't want to take a lesson that they could get a, a lift ticket. So the two are not linked either at this mm -hmm. stage. So you might book a lesson and then go online for that day and you can't get one. Did you uh, make the decision to cancel all group bus programs for the whole season since it's so short? Or are you reevaluating that week by week? Or Yeah, we will reevaluate. I think early on, Threadbow went down there. We're only doing private lesson road. And we did not do that. We thought we could probably run group lessons. So I think Hotham and Falls and maybe Perisher have have uh, have a bigger offering of products after all this but yeah it's a work in progress nick we have a women's program that we want run through in july and we're still that's still to be announced we're going to take away all the bells and whistles and indoor portions but if we can run group lessons we don't see why we couldn't run a full day product like that but you can't do the lunches and all of that sort of stuff and often doesn't actually own any of those sort of outlets where we don't do food or alcohol at ourselves as a company so we don't food or alcohol i don't even know if i'd sign up for the special programs jeez <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah it makes it makes it tough nick That's great. so look it's a work in progress and with all the rules changing i mean just yesterday we were expecting that you could have 50 people in a bar in a restaurant and they changed it to 20 because of the outbreak 
Wow. Used to be you could have 10 people visit. Now they've reduced it to five. We were going to have our football games start having crowds back again, but now they can't have people there because of, you know, and I'm sure you guys are going through these yeah. waves of restrictions. So that, it's just the world we live in now. And ski schools are renowned for being pretty flexible and that's just how we'll have to move forward. And how... With the limitations on cafeterias or, or bars, are, are you guys concerned about, even if you break for lunches or whatnot, having the facility space for everyone in lessons or whatnot? Yes, well, definitely. Well, we won't have to worry about the lessons, Nick, because we've taken that portion away. So the parents right. don't have to worry about lunch for their kids. Okay. But even in our locker room, we can only have, I think, 20 people down there at a time. So they'll have to rotate in and out of there. We have rented a place over the road from our meeting place for some of our staff. It was one of the hotels that used to have thousands of school kids in it, but their business is pretty much gone for the season. So we took over that part. And so instructors can move there for lunch. We're encouraging all of those that live on mountain to go home for lunch. We, everybody gets an hour for lunch here, which as Eric will tell you in Australia is a, is a luxury. Sometimes you don't even get a lunch break. So uh, you get an hour for lunch so you can go home and just not be around the facility. And right. so we're trying to take that out of the equation. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining, <laughs> Nigel. And this was great insight. I appreciate it. Kinda. You're welcome. I'm going to jump over to uh, Eric with uh, Eric Lipton with Snow Operating. Um, I know, Nigel, you work with him. And uh, Eric, you work with 40 resorts around the country. And I was kind of curious with Snow Operating, how you're working with your teams. And I mean, you guys live in the beginner novice zone. And as we all know, a third of lessons taken in the U.S. are beginners level one. So have you started to think about what you're going to start to deliver or recommend to the resorts that you work with in that area? Yeah, for sure, Nick. Thanks. You know, we're, <clears throat> I think that we've, we've always got to start in the same place. We've got to start with the voice of the customer and, and in snow sports school, the customers, what they want hasn't changed, right? They want the same things they've always wanted. They want to stay safe or keep their kids safe. They want to have fun and they want to learn something. And if we, if we stick with that, with that mantra that we've always lived by, um, then that becomes a, a foundation for jumping off and redesigning processes if we need to. Okay. So maybe our products look different, but if you're a snow sports director saying, where do I go from here? Um, that hasn't changed. The guest wants to be safe, have fun and learn something. And then we start to get into designing this redesigning or, or, or overhauling our processes. And I'll say broadly speaking, we chatted about this on the rental huddle too. rental operations is it's a brave new world out there. So it's an opportunity to redesign and try new things and experiment in a way that maybe you've been afraid to do in the past. So, so when we're designing processes, we always recommend and we, we work with our resorts to start with the ideal scenario for the guest. Um, if, you, if you knew nothing about your resort today and you were starting from scratch and saying, how can we design this to be a fantastic experience for the guest in the future, what would it look like? Um, and rather than saying, okay, here's what we're currently doing. How do we stick a giant COVID bandaid on it? Let's, let's start from scratch and, 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 and maybe, maybe now's the time to incorporate a product that you've, you've been thinking about adding, but you haven't, if you haven't done a family private, maybe now's the time. Um, if you're, you know, maybe, maybe a max three product is a product that you want to try this year. Um, 
Nigel mentioned about uh, kids' lunches and that being a struggle. Well, one of the challenges that we encounter with, with virtually every resort we work with um, is that is kids' capacity. And so finding capacity in the kids' center has been a challenge, and, and capacity is, is a topic of its own this coming season. But lunches is certainly a challenge. And so some resorts I know are already experimenting with um, not even not doing an all day private, excuse me, an all day program for kids anymore anyway. So do a, an AM product, the parents pick up the kids and then do a, then offer a PM product and, and give your give yourself an opportunity to not have to deal with the kids indoors and not have to perhaps put a lunch program together. But I'd say we, we shouldn't take this lying down and just all of a sudden assume that, well, we, we can't do three to five year olds. We can't do this. We can't do that. And, and, and there's no possible way put together a cross-functional team with your snow sports team leaders, your perhaps your rental shop, your ticketing department, and, and come up with some, some better ways of doing business. Um, I'd say when, when we have these conversations with resorts, uh, capacity in the kids center always comes up, but online booking comes up. If you haven't delved into that as a resort, uh, now's it now's the time to try and get advanced reservations as nigel said that's kind of been a value for a value for him for you know doing staffing so we're just trying to think think really broadly and not not narrow our focus nick down into okay here's what we do how can we covid proof it but rather here here's what we know the guest wants and here's what the the you know legal requirements are in our region in our state and how do we redesign or reimagine a process that makes the experience wonderful for the guests at our resort? Yeah. Right? And we come up with a lot of the, the same stuff. Keep them well, safe. I yeah. I love what you're saying about family lessons and max threes and maybe eliminating lunches. Cause those are, those are things, you know, concrete things you can make changes to. I know when I was a director, I always struggled with the family lesson. You know, I never want to change and instructors just said, Hey, it's not easy. But now it's time to not only just say, hey, we're going to sell this product, but what kind of training are we putting into it, right? You know, at the simplest, what are the top 10 lists? For example, making sure the guest always knows that you teach to the lowest ability level of the family. You don't overtrain them. But giving those tools to the instructors so we empower them, I, I think is going to be so key this year, whether it's that personal connection or how do you connect with an entire family? Because those are the skills that we always think about tipping or turning. But I think, Eric, what you what you're saying is really having that personal connection and not losing that is key. So I think that's great. Um, Eric, one other question I have before we jump over to Craig is in regards to kind of flow and beginner area, have you put any thought into that? I mean, I, I know you guys have an amazing uh, a throughput in regards to the designs that you do with snow operating. Do you see that that could help or hinder in this time or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. We think, the layout of the learning area um, could be critical, right? Rather than, than an instructor with, with his or her group of, of eight or 10 people claiming a patch of land, um, redesign the learning area to use features, whether it's train-based learning or otherwise, um, spaces people out, uses space a little more effectively and efficiently than, than a traditional teaching model. Um, even, you know, even a station teaching model where people are on their own program and they can work their way through and are in control of their own learning could be something that, that becomes interesting. And, and again, if your resort hasn't explored this, maybe that's 
that's something to experiment with this year. Stevens Pass always jumps out on their website. They have those signs for each, you know, they have a feature and they tell you how to walk through it. And as much as we we're, we're afraid as instructors or telling, oh, we always have to work with the guests, but that guided discovery in this era could be, it might be time to jump off and try it out, you know. For sure. People are in charge of their own experience and yeah. we just guide them along the way. That's great. Um, you know, jumping to Craig from uh, uh, Mammoth Mountain. Uh, Craig, you live in a big drive-to market from LA. You have huge ebb and flows on the weekends um, and, and some holidays. Uh, I was kind of curious, what are you discussing with your team regarding facilities, capacity, looking at registration? How, how are you looking to set things up? And specifically, you know, the biggest thing we have is kids, right? You have a huge kids program. How, have you had any discussions there on where you're going? Yes, uh, Nick, we have. And, you know, like you mentioned, with, with this big drive market we have, we have giant peaks and valleys in, in our business. And also being rather remote, you know, we have a limited, we don't, for such a large school, we don't have many instructors. <laughs> yeah, we don't have, um, you know, uh, the uh, 800 or 1,000 instructors of Vale or uh, Aspen have, you know, we've got kind of 280 full-time, some part-timers to get us up to 400 and and so we've always had to be the, the part of the company that has uh, dealt with capacity management the best. Um, as Eric mentioned, moving so that, you're, that you pre-book as much as you can, this is a great opportunity for everybody. We've moved over the last decade to where we do 80 plus percent of our, uh, our ski school business is booked in advance. And so that you really know what you have and can move that um, capacity around uh, our three lodges. And we're even looking at, okay, how do we stagger start times? Uh, much like Nigel was mentioning, you know, going away from the all day program to shorter. If we do do group lessons, those will be a shorter period of time, just probably morning and afternoon so that we can spread that demand across um, not only the uh, um, our three lodges, but also across the day. So that, that's where a lot of our focus is. And in some ways, you know, the private lesson model may allow you to do the most with with that of shorter durations of lesson uh, spread throughout the day, where you can stagger it. You know, almost start any time from the rental shop. Uh, from uh, just straight to snow. So we're, we're looking at all those areas of how we can spread it across uh, the different areas because our biggest impacted area is the nine o'clock push in the kids ski school where we'll run 500 kids through the building. There's no way we can do that in a responsible manner right now. So we're really having to put our thinking caps on and how do we you know, uh, really experiment this year with some other models. Um, next up, we've got uh, Maggie Loring from Snowbird, Utah. Uh, Maggie, you have um, a major topic on all the minds is the onboarding, as we've been discussing in the training of staff, finding new uh, ways to connect uh, with them and make sure that they have the tools and the support system to feel confident in their job. And um, seems to be it will be a key area uh, that I'm hearing from the other panelists. 
what are you thinking when it comes to orientations and fall training, and especially if we're still in a position that doesn't allow us to deliver the way we normally? Well, that's probably pretty guaranteed it won't be normal. Um, and, it, and I think it's an opportunity, like as, as Eric said earlier, to say, well, what would we really like to do? What would be the best opportunity? This might provide a really great opportunity to use resources and technology to do a better job of that. And often we hire like multitudes of staff and then we throw them all in a room and try to do, give them some policy stuff and then we get them out on the hill in bigger groups and then we throw them out the door and um, to more or less. I mean, some people do a way better job than, than we do, quite frankly. But honestly, if we are looking at a 50, 30 to 50 percent reduction in our business levels and how many staff we're going to need to onboard in the first place, it gives us an opportunity to say, okay, these guys are going to be like gold. We're going to, we obviously really need them. So how can we use Zoom technology and our scheduling technologies and look at the programming that we're going to be offering, say, hey, maybe we, um, we slot them out for certain types of things as they, they're starting out and we guide the um, small group training in little pods of people that are onboarding together so that they can be responsible for each other. They can be in little little teams or cohorts, like similar to a university kind of a deal. And they can actually have, um, they can meet together uh, through technology and get to know each other and spend as much time as they want on that. And then when you get to, and, and also using LMS and all of those kind of things. And then when you get to the real time on the hill, um, then that can be maximized um, by the time you get there. I just feel like we're hiring the type of people that they, we all care about each other. We like the interpersonal connection. So using this type of technology so that we can really, the managers can get to know those people and those people can get to know us. They can get to know each other. Then they're more willing to ask questions and to sing out when they have issues. So I, I think just using technology is going to be huge. You, you mentioned LMS, learning management platforms for e-learning or, or, or whatnot. And I don't know if any of the presenters actually have an active learning management system or if anyone's gone there. Maggie, can you speak to that? I don't know. We started using MindFlash um, a few years ago. The resort is using it as well. And so we, there's so many things you can do with that that don't require, you know, you can, you can, put on PowerPoints, you can have quizzes, you can do videos. So we, for example, we did the whole NSAA um, ride another day. We did that, put that all, chunked it all out and so that we can do it over and over again for our staff and just, they can take it anytime they want and it's required every year, that kind of deal. So any of those types of trainings, you can easily put online. We also require all the stuff, the PSI um, e-learning e modules. So that gets us ahead of the game as well. So, and they, and again, they can do it whenever they have the time. So you could start, if you onboarding are onboarding people in October, they can start doing it then. They don't have to be on snow. So it's a really huge advantage. It gets us, gets you that much further forward. Then you start doing Zoom calls. You're even that much further forward from there. So just give us a, a, the listeners an idea of your ski and ride. How many instructors do you typically start with? within a season? Um, well, the, our total staff is about 250 and we typically onboard a little over a hundred of those each year and they are tend to be 
part-time working in our all of our local programs and we have um, a variety of types of local programming and some of them are bus programs um, a lot of those are friday afternoon we'll bring up, bring up a huge onslaught of kids and then the weekend programs multi-week um, weekend programs for kids of all ages and abilities and so a lot of folks will be in those part-time programs okay. so great um, and I think I saw Tyler Barnes on the call if maybe he'd be willing to speak Tyler's from Mount Hood Meadows I know Tyler has been really active with learning management systems he in fact helped us build the PSIA ASI website uh, for our learning management system and those modules. So Tyler, do you mind kind of sharing how you did your onboarding last year with that? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yes, Nick. Uh, obviously, um, we also use the PSIA AASI uh, courses for all of our new instructors, and we are going to be considering having many of our returning instructors um, you know, go and uh, review that material as well, because there's so many little nuggets in there uh, that could help a returning instructor that's been doing the same thing for many seasons. They may, they might learn something of value from even the uh, delivering the beginner experience um, e-learning courses. Um, and then um, taking some inspiration from Carolyn at Snowshoe, uh, we developed a uh, nuts and bolts learning um, a nuts and bolts training on our learning management system that allows our newly trained instructors to get all of that other information they need, uh, like where do I go to get my um, payroll, where, how do I submit my, um, you know, my, my uniform be laundered, all those things that are sort of um, just, uh, we don't need to have people in a big group setting for that. We can just share that information, they can get it, and they can go at their own pace. So, We've really embraced the whole remote learning, um, you know, abilities through both the PSIA um, learning management system and our own system. So it's been great. Thank you, Tyler. I, I know you've taught me a lot about that. Appreciate it. Um, I, I'm going to jump over to Luke Williams, who's the, the snow sports director at Highland Ski Area. Um, you know, research trends uh, and experts tell our customers are going to stay local over the next year, um, which I have a feeling Highlands in the Minneapolis area is going to be fairly busy. And uh, Luke, I know you have a huge uh, locals program and a huge following Saturday and Sunday and, and night programs, if I remember correctly. Have you talked to your teams or started to problem solve how you may be looking at this in terms of registration or uh, touching base with the guests? Yeah, Nick. Um, you know, a big thing that we've been looking at since we just started going is um, kind of having like a plan A, B, C, and possible D. Um, maybe doing a hybrid of you can start out as business as usual a little bit, but this thing can spike and change your plan and what you want to do um, on Saturdays and Sundays. It's not uncommon for us to push through five, six hundred kids on a Saturday and a Sunday um, from nine o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon and just left them. So plus our group lesson numbers are, are huge. That's where we get a lot of the kids to come through our classes. And we are looking at class sizes. What can we do about class sizes? You know, if we have to be at four to five to one, how are we going to handle that ratio? Um, do we have to look at more of a family style lesson? But 
um, the registration process for us to get to that point first, all our lessons for group lessons are done pretty much 100% online. So we don't have to worry about that point of contact as of right now. Um, we can handle phone in, the phone in registration too, but most of our registration starts in October. We're pretty much full by mid to late November. There's some spots here and there. Um, so I think the registration piece of it, we can certainly handle. For us, it can be more of that group style um, numbers. How do we take them in? How do we, how do we process them through the rental line? Um, one thing that we've just kind of tossed around, and I don't know if it'll happen or not, but can we open at 8 and just run lessons from, say, 8 to 10, 8 to 11, and then open up for public and just have the area for lessons early? Um, you know, it's really going to depend on where things are at when we open. So that's why I think the important thing is to have a lesson plan for A, B, and C. Um, if you look at like how hockey's going around here right now, hockey has been able to start up. The only thing that the kids have to do is they just have to come dress the hockey rink and they can get out and go and start playing hockey. So um, I just been kind of watching what we're allowing lessons around here between golf and, and, and uh, hockey kind of maybe take some ideas from them and also roll them into my game plan. But um, our private lesson piece will be another thing that we'll have to work on because we don't do that online currently. So we're going to have to look at that customer interaction and build off of that for sure. Um, but uh, like I said, I think, I think having your A and B and C plan is going to be, is going to be huge. I think um, we're just going to have to be ready to adjust maybe not when we start, but possibly December, January, we might have to tweak the way lessons and business is being done to accommodate if there is a spike around here. I like, I like having the kids dress and go. I think you're going to have to hire more parking attendants. That drop-off zone is going to get busy. I've, I've been in it. I've been in your line. Yeah, that's true. It's, it will be busy then for sure. I like that. That's great. Um, you know, and the, to go with the online system, we have a, through the park district, we have an online, we call it True University, where we can upload a lot of uh, we do a lot of our onboarding videos on there and stuff too. So I think we're going to have to probably look at utilizing that more often for doing some of the just preseason training with staff. Okay, great. Thanks, Luke. Yep. Um, so we're going to, now we're going to switch gears a little bit to resorts that uh, are more destination and fly to markets gets in. Christine Baker is with us from Big Sky Resort in Montana. Uh, Christine, how are you planning to adjust programs for your market and um, being more of a, uh, destination and I know you're opening this coming weekend uh, mountain biking I'm, I'm not sure you have to tell us what else you're opening with um, and what are you doing to prepare the instructors the bike park instructors at least to uh, work with guests what type of modifications to the registration process have you made young kids programs um, how are you modifying those programs and um, just uh, some insight into you know, your summer operations and what might be applied to your winter. Yes, absolutely. Um, we are opening this Friday for our bike programs, and that includes rentals and coaching, and we do have a locals kids camp. So we're excited to get that underway. And then we open on the first with all of our activities. So zipline tours, tours to the peak, guided hikes, um, a variety of different things there. And to, I think one of the first questions was, how are we getting our staff prepared? And We've worked um, with one of our internal folks who she developed great contact tracing forms, a daily health screening, and a lot of things that are already automated, which is really helpful to have that way in advance so that people have some confidence 
there's a form for them to fill out if they have any concerns right away they can just go to the website themselves and submit um, a form right there and then fortunately or unfortunately we're anticipating a pretty slow summer being um, that we do have so many destination guests a lot of our business in the summer is conference-based which you can understand that that's a, a trickier part of the business this summer but we do anticipate biking to be pretty busy so um, our, all of our staff this summer are returners to the resort, so the training has been a little bit easier. We're doing able to do it um, with such a small crew that it really the numbers and the size isn't a huge issue. In Montana, we're in our phase two of reopening, which allows us to have groups of up to 50. And we have, we had a out-of-state travel 14-day quarantine until June 1st, but that disappeared. So we do anticipate people seeing that Montana is a good place to come and that we will have some, some demand. Uh, one of the pieces, so on the bike program, we're keeping everything pretty much, kept everything from the plan from the end of last summer season. And I think we anticipate that our volume is small enough with our coaching programs that we'll be able to run um, as expected. We, in that program, don't have any kids younger than seven. So the lift riding issue isn't as much of an issue. We do have one lift that is a two-seater. So the plan is when um, if there's a line and a guest and a coach wants to ride with the guest, they obviously cannot maintain six feet of social distancing. So they'll be wearing a facial facial covering on that lift ride. Um, and that's, that's the big thing. Maintain six feet of social distancing whenever you can. And if you can't, please do wear a, or the, the employees do need to wear a facial covering. For our activities, we did make some modifications for the summer. We decided to run them as private tours rather than group because when we were making that decision, there wasn't, we were, it was a little bit more unknown and we figured folks might feel safer booking as a family or a group traveling together. And then we're modeling a lot of what we do in the winter ski school from private lessons where we're gonna call those guests ahead of time, just go over expectations, set the meeting point. So modeling some of our winter behavior for our summer guests. And then anything we're doing this summer, we're trying to think about it and how we would scale it for the winter. Um, the health screening in the morning, taking temperatures is easy with the seven staff that I did today. Um, larger staff with ski school in the winter would be a lot more challenging. So we know that we have some things to work through. We don't for winter have a plan yet per se. Um, you know, we're, the plan is to keep learning and reading and taking the information from the summer to build into next winter. We do know that we have a lot of space though available and that we anticipate being able to, I've heard some other groups saying more half day and not doing lunch. Anything could happen between now and then, but our plan would be to um, have full day private lessons and full day group lessons. And right now our food and beverage, we can have up to 75% capacity in restaurants. So figuring out that number for our um, lunch location and that we have never had a, a cap on our group lessons for kids. We've always allowed as many to sign up as long as they show up on time. So maybe that's a modification this year. Maybe we are putting a cap on that group lesson offering to facilitate the lunch, um, the lunch scenario, you know, and really looking at where are our pinch points, which is the lunchroom, the locker room, um, and meeting areas. So with our current thinking, um, minimizing the different times that we have to get all of the kids together and back apart and together and back apart. So liking the all day model where that only happens at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. As you were listening to the other guests, um, did anything that they say 
strike you as, you know, something that is giving you thought for next season? I'm just curious, as you're listening to what's been said or what Nigel's doing in the Southern Hemisphere, if something struck you as uh, something you hadn't thought about, perhaps. Sure. So I think um, the young kids, the three to six-year-olds, our group lesson is four to six, and then we have a special program for the the three-year-olds. And I think the four to six lift riding, we have a pretty small group lesson already, but maybe it is. Maybe we go with a only a group max of two, looking at that four to six-year-old, considering the lift riding and the price point and what we might have to put out there to make sure that we um, are setting up that that's straight. I put, I did take all sorts of notes. Um, I really like Eric's thoughts on starting from scratch and we've done some of those mind exercises as well of what is our optimal um, and how can we, how can we build to that? One of the things we took from that this summer is we haven't had rental bikes online before and we knew that we just needed to push that for, um, for the summer. So we did this. We have been, we started last year with RFID and we've had all of our private lessons call their instructors ahead of time and designate their meeting area. Um, and so maybe we have some potential to do something similar with our group lesson programs where uh, they don't have to come into the office at all and we can designate some additional spaces if needed. Hey, uh, Baker, you said that your summer camps are opening and I don't know many summer camp kids camps that are opening this year. What, yeah. What's the what's kind of how are guests responding to that? Are they ready to drop off kids and run away or are they asking procedures and whatnot? <laughs> um, so to give a little bit of a feel of where we are, our, in the, our local daycare never closed throughout COVID at all. It was deemed an essential service, so it was operating at a very reduced capacity. And I know at the initial, in the beginning of all this, I was, I, I was like, we're just going to have outbreaks because that's all of the workers, you know, like that's, we're all interacting, but so far so good there. So, um, and then they were able to increase capacity a little bit. And then our community organization runs a day camp. And again, they have reduced their capacity um, and put in a tie that it's only local families registered in the school district. So I think our families are pretty used to having their kids interacting on that level at this point. And our kids in our bike program are locals as well. So um, it, we're just working with parallel policies and procedures with those other camps. But people are excited. I think this might be our biggest camp, if ever, or at least in a while. So people are excited for it. I might be bringing my kids up there. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> they can join Lane's group on uh, Tuesdays. Yeah, that's great. No, well, it, it brings up a good point. Thank you, Christine. And uh, I'm going to jump over to uh, Robin May from Angel Fire. I know, Robin, you've been open for two, I think two weeks, and you're seeing customers, you're, you're uh, seeing uh, your bike park is very busy from what you're telling me. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, kind of the relationship, you know, we don't know how our how our employees are going to be at, react working in this environment, how our guests are reacting. What are you seeing there in terms of engagement at, at the destination resort there? So we actually opened our bike park on May 15th. So we've been open a long time. And oh, uh, yeah. And uh, long we, actually, we backfilled a lot of the white uh, space that we typically would go weekends only and are operating seven days a week now. Um, it's been extremely busy. Um, most of our bike park visits are coming from Colorado, uh, Arizona, Col uh, California, Texas. Most of our um, <clears throat> scenic tours, uh, zipline tours are uh, coming from Texas. Uh, 
I would say, you know, if you if you look at uh, our protocols, our procedures, how we're dealing with the the, the volume, um, you know, we've uh, we'll get up to three four hundred mountain bikers out, and uh, so our queuing uh, has been a bit of a challenge. We've ordered more trays, but we've had hangers. Um, as far as all points of contact with the the guest, you know, we we look like a salad bar. You know, we have more plastic and face masks and everything. But I don't think uh, we're finding the same level of compliance with the guest. You know, they're, uh, I'd say probably 10% of the people that are coming up to the window are wearing masks of any kind. Um, we do have the exclusion with the mountain bikers that, you know, they're exercising. Um, you know, the eating and exercising exclusion kind of covers some of that. Um, but typical protocols, what everybody else is doing, it's kind of what we're, do we're doing as well. Um, when you go into town, the grocery store, everybody's wearing a mask. Uh, so it depends on where you are and what you're doing. Um, the restaurants are all pretty compliant. But on mountain, um, you know, we spread them out pretty good. We have over 60 miles of downhill uh, park riding. So, um, yeah. Are you... Are you taking anything away from what you've been learning over the last month of integrating into the ski and ride school with the interaction with the guest? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're, we're all, uh, we're, we're doing lessons. Um, uh, I think from my perspective in working with Ski New Mexico and with uh, the governor, um, we're, we're kind of looking at winter. We're not going to get going here for five months, right? Um, I'm, I'm taking, I don't want people to have predetermined ideas of how we're going to implement our programs. So I'm taking down a lot of the stuff on uh, the website, et cetera. Um, normally I would be taking reservations right now, um, kind of legacy private uh, reservations we're taking, but we're not, um, we're, we're going to take down the children's uh, information, et cetera, uh, until we have a better fix on it. And I think, you know, uh, what Eric and others have alluded to, we're pretty flexible in ski schools. All of us have dealt with uh, um, uh, all sorts of flus and little snot bubbles all over uh, children's centers for many years. And I just don't want to paint our, uh, ourselves into a corner um, in terms of how we uh, approach the guests. There's some obvious things we can do um, and we're looking at all those things. But uh, Prior to getting too caught up in the in the uh, pre-planning or over-planning, um, uh, we're you know we've always been about like Craig was saying we're about 90, 80, 90 percent uh, pre-booked. Uh, we're drive-up um, destination. Um, we're expecting even more volume uh, because I think people who typically would fly over our heads, leaving Houston and Austin, San Antonio, Dallas. Um, are going to be driving to us. So um, I anticipate higher demand. Um, so all of this to me is, is um, you know, we're working diligently in the background, planning, uh, thinking of contingencies where we've ordered uh, uh, thermometers, you know, all sorts of uh, um, supplies that, that we'll use. But we're, we're pretty much paperless already, you know, in our kids' center. Um, 
Our class sizes have always been small, sub four kids. Uh, comfortable caring capacity at the Children's Center has never been really pushed too hard. So we've always staggered lunches and things like that. So, um, you know, I think I think more will be revealed. We need to be ready for a for a, a resurgence, but um, I think you can over over plan as well. I, I would say one of the side effects right now that I'm concerned about is the J1, um, you know, and how many J1s we're going to be able to uh, bring on board. And that's something that I know I rely on. And, I'm not certain about other resorts, but I'm sure there's people on this call. That right. Are also right. Absolutely. Just if travel is in terms of if travel is available to come in from other countries and whatnot. Well, the government uh, government right now is looking at H the limitation of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Probably both. Since this conversation took place, President Trump signed an executive order banning J-1, H-1B, and other visa programs until the end of the calendar year. Chris Saylor from Okemo, I'm sure you probably have 800 other things you can talk about after an hour discussion, but, you know, the question that we really wanted to focus in on is, you know, I think we're all struggling right now with facilities, lunches, bus program, anything that groups people large together, but I'm really curious about product mix and, you know, you like Rob and May pull from a couple different states and, you know, are you looking at how you're going to balance group lessons, private lessons, and, and more specifically, have you thought to how you might train to better strengthen the product mix that you might be offering for this, this coming year? Yeah, I mean, it certainly is, is pointing to a product mix of more private lessons for us at this point. I mean, we are, we are months away still and, and planning is, is, is really hasn't kicked into gear, but following what the Australian resorts are doing, that, that mix of uh, more smaller groups, family groups, um, you know, small three or four groups of people that are known to each other, um, will, will certainly fall into that mix. And that brings into a lot of our training for staff is geared around group lessons and handling and dealing with kids and um, I think it's certainly going to become to a point where we're going to need to focus on um, group dynamics and how do you deal with multiple ages and stages in the, in the, in the development and possibly multiple disciplines. Uh, we already see a little bit of that here and there, but I think moving into this season, that could be a bigger factor. Um, right. So it's that teaching to uh, personal development for, for a guest. And that's a little different than just dealing with group dynamics and, you know, levels one through three. And I just am curious after you've heard all of these North American operators thinking through what you've had to think through, is there any bit of advice that you would say when you've heard what their concerns are and, you know, and what they're working through? Breakfast, I've got to go to work soon. So okay. Yeah, look, I think our plan is to just start slowly and get it right and then add products as we go. I think if we go all guns blazing at the start and we have an outbreak in the mountains, then that could be the end of our season. And this is coming from a country that pretty much had it under control. Uh, you know, we've had 102 deaths 
and I know our population is smaller, but Australia really had this under control. And with a tiny bit of easing, our rules have all changed again. So as I said, the stakes are all clamming up now. So uh, I would just say, take baby steps and work it out. You know, if private lessons are the only things you can offer, then that's the only thing you can offer. You don't want to jeopardize the whole season by trying to go too big, <clears throat> too big too soon. So, you know, just, just the small fact for us of we are now importing staff from all over the country because a lot of states are letting people go. They just won't let them back in. Yeah. <laughs> so anyone can come to Victoria. You just might not be able to go back to your home state. Or if you do, you have to isolate for two weeks. And they're very strict on it. So now we're in the phase of onboarding staff from all over the country. So who knows what we're getting. So we, I, I would just say take baby steps. Don't try and go too far, too fast, and, you know, do what you're good at. Great. Thanks, Nigel. You get back to those eggs there. Make <laughs> Thank you. That's one of the main concerns for uh, resorts in the Northeast. 70% of my staff are not Vermonters. And currently in the state of Vermont, you have a 14-day quarantine window. It certainly makes it very difficult to officially come to work and then return to your own work. And so what does that look like if of my staff of 375, 70% can't come to work? Um, it changes the dynamics again in other ways. And that, that plays out for most of the New England resorts. It makes me want to travel. I think I figured out how I'm going to get a 14 day vacation. If you travel, you get automatically quarantined. I'm sorry, I'm brainstorming here. But no, no th this was great. Thank you, Chris. And I think the main message that I got out of this was what Nigel had said at the start, which is um, have a lot of modeling, a lot of different contingency plans, be ready to change on a dime and, and know that you've got a, a plan B, C, D, and E. Um, it sounds like that's what we're going to experience with the, with the winter. Ski and ride lessons will be back for the upcoming winter season, and leaders are already making plans for how they may look. Many are using this crisis as an opportunity to update systems, protocols, and launch new products to the marketplace. We'll circle back on this topic later in the summer as the situation continues to evolve. Be sure to visit www.saminfo.com huddle for the latest topics and information. If you'd like to join the conversation, email huddle at saminfo.com. While you're on the website, please consider a subscription to Sam Magazine so that we may continue to be a resource for you through this crisis and in the future. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam Advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix Podcast Guide. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to Pod Sam. <laughs>